That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, like I was saying, still uh, just bobbing along down the old lazy migraine river. So I'm doing a podcast with sunglasses on indoors. (laughs) I look great, I must say. I'm glad you're feeling better. A little bit. Yeah. You know, I just get to the point where I try all the exercises, I try the darkness, I try whatever, and then I just slammed a glass of wine. I don't know what else to do. Like, you know, I'm like, I have to feel something other than just total pain. Sure. You just get those, like, it'll help with the blood vessel action, right? That wine. Yeah, there we go. Just got to thin my blood. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I mean, this is so on point because we were just watching an episode of The Last Dance and there was one where Scotty Pippen gets a migraine and then can't perform very well and they lose the game. So... Fuck. And everybody uh, was yeah. like, and everybody was like, what are you gonna do? Migraines suck. Like nobody, nobody was like, fuck that guy. Everybody was like, oh yeah, no, that's terrible. They're they're horrifying. Like I, I literally, you know, we're recording a little later than we intended to because I was like, hey, you guys, it's gonna be a few hours before I have a personality. They're very, <laughs> they're incredibly incapacitating, you know. Yeah, and um, I think this personality just I need to just like I paint my face, I must paint my personality. Guys, welcome to Sidework Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brooke Van Poppelen. Hey guys, I'm one of your other hosts, Andrea Wallace. Together, we are the two hosts of Sidework. <laughs> um, can I tell you what I learned today? Yes, please. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of like BuzzFeed fact things to read on the news if you want to like scroll further down and not read uh, hot garbage every day. And also very informative news at the same time. There's both, you know. So Brian read it to me because he was reading me this bu- BuzzFeed like... <clears throat> things about rock and roll history you didn't even know you know it's like all you didn't even know you didn't even know that this happened because fucking you're not even fucking with it some of it i did but one specifically was that did you know that prince plays keyboards on stand back by stevie nicks there's a reason we go to church every time we hear that song yeah it, it just makes it, it, I mean, that song's fucking incredible, first of all. I think we can all just say that. But now that you know, every time you hear it from now on, you'll just be like, motherfucking Prince is playing keyboards on this song. Stand back. That's some happy news, right? That's great news. Um, <laughs> I, and I will say, here's here's a tip for any uh, fellow migraine sufferer. Suffer. Suffer. tip. It's tough words and connecting when you're having like a basically a minor prolonged stroke is kind of hard. Um, a don't, a real don't if you've got a migraine. Uh, don't. Okay, so for a lot of you who are new to the podcast or you're catching up on uh, the fact that Andrea and I are getting shredded, quarantine shredded. And my neighbor on um, my little quattro shreddo is what I'd like to call it. Nice. Uh, but my neighbor on the compound has kindly offered, you know, to do a Zoom boot camp because she's a personal trainer and it's keeping her happy and healthy and less crazy. So we all know each other now, right? And after that's over, I see her in the driveway and she's like, help, there's a giant, angry, injured crow that's been in our 
backyard patio since 8 a.m. And I, and she's like, I'm so scared. It's giant. It's trying to get my cat, you know. So we shushed it. We, we got it off her back patio into the driveway. And then we tried to get it off the property altogether. It couldn't fly. Its wing was damaged. And it was defending itself. And I was like, ooh, my little dog, Hank, he hates crows. He barks at them and, you know, but uh, so long story short, Hank did not get the crow off the property. So I'm like, it's time to bring out the big guns. I'm going to go get Winnie. And I, I had them all on leashes, you know, but I'm like, this crow's really going to be terrified of my bigger dog, Winnie. Great. All we managed to do is back the poor scared thing into a corner by the trash cans. <laughs> and then Winnie's he, like, like- bullied the crow? Well, we're, I mean, <laughs> we were, I mean, what, what, we were trying to get it off the property, bit, bit of a chaos, uh, you know, chaotic situation ensued. So I'm like, you know what, let's just leave it alone. It's freaked out. We've got the gate open. So hopefully it can like hop out of here on its own. I put Winnie in the back behind the fence that I've reinforced because she learned how to push it open with brute strength. Well, now she's got a taste for crow. And she smelled it and she knows it's out there. And all of a sudden I just hear like the gate like collapse. And by the time I run to the end of the driveway, I've got a dog just like Like Winnie's like fucking, Winnie's the ice king, like going after the crow, right? Is what you're saying? <laughs> it was, it was dark. It was blurry. Uh, it, it, it was an emergency. You know, you just kind of go into that survival mode and I'm trying to pry my dog off of a crow it crushed its beak it did i mean it, it, i was just like ah, you made you made a crow noise <laughs> that's a dolphin <laughs> and um meanwhile migraine you know like can't open my i'm like stop stop with the death stop with the murder mm -hmm. and then i pulled her off the poor thing and it wasn't dead and i'm like no this is awful and uh we ended the uh affair by uh Luz is like i'm gonna drop a rock on its head and um she crushed it to death Whoa, with a big piece dude. of cement Whoa. not not nice for a migraine this is a real like migraine uh prescription drug commercial <laughs> like what you go through while you have it and it's just like crows being murdered and, and like feathers flying and you just like turning and being like oh my head <laughs> truly like that's the kind of situation that gives you a migraine and i already Cro have one crow and all <laughs> <laughs> so anyways we crushed a crow with a, a large piece of cement and totally crushed it <laughs> we crushed it we crushed it and then we did rock paper scissors who was going to throw it out in the trash jesus lord on a stick yeah so here we are but uh, well, what do we say? Oh, we get into some headlines today, oh, shall great. we? I would love to get into some headlines oh, I know. with you. I know you want to get into some headlines. So we, you know, we know we're in a pandemic, obviously, and we are, you know, we all have to just rely on a lot of food delivery that's happening, usually through third-party companies like your Grubhub, your Uber Eats, what have you. And per usual, you know, Grubhub is... The bad guy, which many, many people do not realize that they take a completely unfair percentage from restaurants when it's like the fees for me to get something delivered should, should be on me. You know what I'm mm -hmm, saying? Mm -hmm, if I want mm -hmm. someone risk, you know, you know, it's a whole thing, like not even getting into the whole people not tipping Instacart or Grubhub or delivery. This is not about the people who do the physical delivering. It's the evil company itself. But basically someone finally put the hurt on them and was like, you can only cap it at 10% in Great. terms of 100%. So this was like just reported an eater. And this um, is Jersey this city, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because there's, there's gouging happening mm -hmm. and Grubhub already is just, I mean, they gouge every chance they get Absolutely. and they're gouging the small business owners. Yeah. They're like, know? well, basis is about like, to become a trillionaire and we have to catch up somehow. I'm sure exactly is and the logic. So this is just a bit of a personal yay and a victory. Yeah. So basically in Jersey City, uh, the mayor signed an executive order effective immediately capping all commissions to the third 
third-party delivery apps like Grubhub, your seamless Uber Eats, DoorDash, and anything of that ilk to 10%. Um, same measures passed in DC, Seattle, San Francisco over the last four weeks as well. And it's, it's just an insidious practice that thankfully you know, our civic uh, people of power, people in power are recognizing. It's crazy that when you think sometimes like in this crisis, they are now willing to listen to a gripe prior that maybe they would have ignored when they realized that this is bad business. And totally. so they're, well, I just think having to, use, having to use the word insidious period. I mean, there's a, there's a whole franchise of horror movies called insidious. So I think that sums up what Grubhub's all about. If we just use just that word. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. So that's just a bit of a yay, you know, just that they don't need to make more money off of our crisis and want and need for eating and supporting local businesses. Screw you. Yeah. Hubby hubby. <laughs> I haven't called Brian that once. I just want you guys to know out there. I haven't called him that one time since this started. <laughs> you suck. This is interesting too. Okay. Just find out that the Girl Scouts in Alaska, they got a PPP. Oh, interesting. Because <laughs> they're not moving those cookies. You know what I'm saying? Right. There's some, there's some cookies stacking up in garages, warehouses, and offices all around, you know, the state. And because of the inability to sell 144,000 potential boxes of, you know, I mean, Thin Mints, if I had some Thin Mints in the freezer around during this pandemic, I'd be doing so much better emotionally. Are you kidding me? But they can't move them. They can't uh, get them out and sell them just for safety reasons. And so the money that they normally make off their Girl Scout cookie sales uh, is going to cost a lot of people jobs and take away funding that would normally be in place for the enrichment of young female scouts and all that stuff. Um, so they actually got a PPP, which I know we've, you know, they qualify as a small business because they, they employ tons of people. They have programs uh, and outreach and, and, you know, payroll. And so the Girl Scouts and cookies are not going to go to the wayside. Not yet. Not um, yet. But no, that's good. Especially if like, you know, like the people who don't make much money or I don't know how much, I do not know how much money an employee makes being a vital member of the Girl Scout community, like national chapter. I don't know. I, I do not no know idea, that, but. but I do know that money will go toward them to then sell the cookies and push that forward. When we really start to like dissect who are small businesses, what they're doing, maybe there's, you know, and a lot of it does have to go to pay. Like if you do not want to pay back these loans, 75% of these loans have to go toward employment or sorry, 75% yes. have to go toward payroll. Like that's the rules if you don't want to. And they all have to be used, mind you, within eight weeks. Like oh all of this God. money has yeah. to be spent until like the next round comes out. And that's like the kind of other thing. And I'm sure we'll get into it. And we ugh, we have so many, so much more to cover. But like there's, there's a cutoff point for all of this. Like all these loans are going to be granted. People are going to get them. The money's going to be spent. But like what happens at the end of July when everything stops? Like you know what I mean, right. like and and we'll, and we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But I, I'd love to get, I'd love to get into this headline. May may I may I tackle this one? Yes, yes, you may. So uh, another headlines, and this is like a little bit more on the on the COVID content, you know, of things. As you know, I feel like all our headlines, goddamn, are these days. So this Eater article out of DC. This is a delight. Um, so the DC area is the only restaurant with three Michelin stars and they're super famous for their show stopping American tasting menus. So they've come up with an equally theatrical, albeit a little creepy, says the reader, way to make its dining room feel less empty while social distance distancing protocols go into place. So it's the inn in Little Washington. So basically <laughs> what they've done in their grand dining room is they they're they're using mannequins and dressing them in 1940s style outfits. So, so, so they so they plan to reopen for dinner on May 29th under Virginia's current plan. So they get half the capacity um, with outdoor seating as as well. Um, but yeah, basically, in order to make it feel like less weird is what they're saying, more whimsical. There, there's going to be a dummy sitting next to you, which I think we can all vouch that happens uh, when it's a mannequin or not. 
yeah, in, in normal times, uh, there's usually a dummy sitting next to you in a restaurant, <laughs> but you know, there's nothing more unsettling than mannequins. Can we be honest? <laughs> I'll be like, that woman hasn't touched her food. Well, I, I, she's I, watching her waistline. She is wearing a corset. Let's be honest. Because they they said they're gonna keep them dressed up as in like 1940s period pieces to be uh -huh. a bit of an art installation, if you will. Yeah. Still scary. Don't care. Don't no. want to feel like it's night at the museum. Super scary. I don't think I'd be able to like. I, I do not think I'd be able to finish my meal. I'd be like, yeah, this was a good idea in hindsight, but like now I feel like I'm haunted forever. Okay. And you'd just be like, um, Brian. You know, like you and I would go out and you'd be like aren't you enjoying your $300 tasting menu? And I'd be like, um, actually, I'm pretty sure that that mannequin over there has like shown me its teeth three times. <laughs> three times. And then even more terrifying is to keep up the illusion as a server, do you have to pretend to wait on the mannequins? Yeah, that's a whole nother thing too. Do you I'm have to be, do you have to play along with that game? <laughs> This is really not very well thought out, but you're like, and tonight are specials. <laughs> Reading them off to dead blank eyes. Well, then if you are a server, do you have to do all the different voices for all the different mannequins in your section? That's also a question. The, the and, way and, the and a great is... point and a great thought. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Wow. Very unsettling. Um, curious to know how that goes. <laughs> I gotta say though, props to them, like for just being creative in the silliest way possible. I mean, fuck it, have fun with it because what I've seen in the other places that are open, which definitely looks worse is, you know, basically using almost crime scene tape to X off like every other booth, you know, and, and it, in the olden days, when you see that, you're like, oh no, <laughs> like someone I think, I took think a shit this, in that booth. You know, I would take I would take crime scene tape and mannequins, and then it'd be like a murder mystery dining restaurant every day of the every day of the year. Well, considering that uh, all retail clothing stores are probably going to be out of business within the next three years, there's going to be a surplus of dummies for sale, and we got to repurpose, upcycle people. <laughs> One last headline to speak about. This is good and wonderful, and we're into it. So it's, it's popular to make fun of Captain Flavor Town. Or, you know, um, love him, hate him. He's a good dude. Guy Fieri is doing the Lord's work to help restaurant owners and workers, employees, the whole thing. Uh, basically, he's making headlines right now, not because he asked for them, but he's just quietly done this work and it has gained attention. But he teamed up with the National Restaurant Association Education Foundation, whew, that's a mouthful, to launch the Restaurant Employee Relief Fund and basically is going to provide grants and some relief for workers who've lost their wages because of COVID-19. Stats are coming out as we speak that right now, 5 million, at least 5 million waiters, bartenders had lost their jobs in April. So, seems cool. How much did Guy Fieri help raise so far? $21.5 million. Hell yeah. To, to dole out to waiters, You know what, that's bananas and bananas are good. And bananas are delicious. There's just enough <laughs> potassium. Oh, that's his, that's one of his lines. Oh, got <laughs> it. That's bananas. Oh, I was going to say, you know what he raised? Money. But basically, uh, he has so far helped more than 40,000 unique cases, giving them $500 grants, which is, you know, I don't know if you have to, <laughs> have to like send him a hoagie in the mail and then he'll mm, give no. you the $500. <laughs> I don't know how you go about accessing this. Um, <laughs> if you have to just take a picture of yourself with your sunglasses on the back of your head and be like, yo, bro, give me some of that money. Um, <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out and we'll post about it because it sounds accessible and he's not stopping there. He's basically appealing to, you know, huge corporations, businesses, restaurant groups, influential people who he can get a hold of and just personally asking them to step up and donate. And this money is coming from Richie Riches that he is personally putting his ass on the line to ask money for. Great. That's awesome. I mean, it's, he's been doing great humanitarian work and advocating for the industry for years. So 
he's doing the Lord's work. He's a good dude. So uh, if you were hating on him just because it's fun and popular to rethink that dude, my friends. Guys, it's time to return to another installment of Server Submitted, Submitted Stories. The saga continues. The saga continues. This is, again, Tales from the Unnamed Chicago 4 a.m. Bar continued uh i think everybody knows it's a little bit of a very much a divey bar not open anymore chicago illinois uh last week we learned that bruce willis hung out there (laughs) (laughs) yippee-ki-yay motherfucker okay so this is this week's installment so this is about mitch mitch was another one of our creatures Mitch would come in usually about 30 minutes before last call, shirt half tucked in and buttons lopsided. There was usually (laughs) beer or drool on part of his shirt. Mitch would try to stick a handful of 20s into the jukebox. His name was pretty bad. Uh, One 20 would make it and the rest would fall to the floor. Interesting. If you let Mitch know he had dropped cash, he'd wave it off and tell you to keep it. You just keep it. I don't value keep it. We started stopping Mitch before the jukebox and warning him any songs he played at this point aren't going to come until 10 a.m. after we close as the employees are crawling out of the bar. Yes, yes, when they all get drunk and leave at 10 a.m. Oh, my God. All right. Save your money, Mitch. No point. So Mitch would take his wad of 20s, toss them on the bar, and give us uh, one the one more round signal. Give me one more round. I don't know what that meant, so I always give him a Miller Lite <laughs> He'd wander off into the night. <laughs> he, he'd wander off into the night and the rest of the cash was ours. Mitch routinely spent wow. $100 or more a visit, but I only ever served him one or two beers that he never finished. <laughs> Mitch also dropped a lot of other things besides cash. Coke bags among them. Uh, us getting chased out of the bar by the cleaning crew at 10 a.m. was uh, very often the result of the holes in Mitch's pockets. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's Mitch. Oh, my God. Mitch, a 4 a.m. creature. I'm telling you what. I want to I wanna be Mitch drunk and Mitch rich, you know? I want to be Mitch for Halloween. <laughs> I, good God. People like this. You're like... With, like to be so carefree with money i mean it's like as long as other people are getting to pick up and keep the money you drop which i think is like great that's the way to be you know but Caref- I, I love Caref- you. carefree is oh, but, but but like drinking yourself to the point of carefree you know what i mean that's yes. more what it was and 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 carefree about safety as yes. well at that point you know, and and listen, I like to also picture Mitch as an eccentric, uh, like a widow, a widower. You know that he had a wealthy wife, some sort of Chicago heiress for the Sears <laughs> Roebuck Company, and he just would waste her money and throw it around at the unnamed for oh him. God, I, the or thing is, I I, I I know several Chicago Mitches. I can think of in my head right now is the thing, which is great. Ah. Uh. Mitch, rich and drunk. Yum, 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 yum. Uh, Okay. And then one other creature from the 4 a.m. bar uh, that Nicole wrote in to tell us about. I love this. I'm like, you basically wrote yourself a little novel, Nicole. It's great. So this other character at the 4 a.m. bar, his name's Kurt. Nicole writes, I've never met a human like Kurt. He was our bar back for three years. To this day, our boss won't say his name because he's convinced Kurt is some sort of Beetlejuice demon who will appear out of thin air if you say his name out loud three times. I met Kurt on my first night working there. I was stationed at a beer tub and was able to sit back and watch the shit show unfold. Kurt was running around doing his job, but I noticed he was taking all the beer bottles he'd bust and sending them on the floor behind the ATM. So I said, Kurt, I have a garbage back here. You can throw those in. He goes, oh, no, that's okay. These are mine. I'm sorry, what? I didn't say anything else. I just watched him. He was drinking the unfinished beers that were left behind. Okay, as industry people, you guys know damn well every reason why this is disgusting. And chewing tobacco is just one of them. Uh, Horrified, I mentioned this to my new boss when he asked how the night went. And if I wanted to be part of the team, I said, you know, your bar back is shit-faced and drinking garbage beers, right? 
<laughs> a pet peeve of mine is when the staff leaves their cups of water just all over the back of the bar, just fucking cups of half water and flat soda everywhere all day. I get that. I hate it. You know that. I, I throw them all away. So I was dumping the staff waters one night and noticed one looked like cream soda. Oh, God. We didn't have cream soda. It smelled like fireball and rumplemints and tequila and Sambuca, sort of. I didn't throw it away because I wanted to see what asshole had made a garbage soda out of leftover shots. Yep, Kurt. I gave up at this point. That's, again, so gross for so many reasons, but I guess it's not my mouth, so whatever. Kurt worked us. Kurt worked with us for three years, and I think he was royally fucked up the entire time. One morning, I came to open for football on a Sunday morning, and Kurt was sitting on the bar. There was a pungent, sharp smell of shoe polish in the air. Mitch had visited the night before, like he did most Saturdays. I think Kurt found something that fell out of Mitch's pocket and had been there all night polishing the brass beer towers. They were very, very shiny. Kurt was one of a kind. Oh, my God. Dude. Where we worked, I thought we had, I thought we had the fucking weirdo regulars, and this yeah. this really takes the cake. Well, Kurt worked there. <laughs> I God, yeah, he's not even a regular. He's no. Kurt was just making when your like employees are as weird as he was just making garbage suicide drinks out of like drops left in cups. Yeah, like, did you guys did whole, any? Whole, Wow. Did any, anyone ever do, you've seen the videos where people like ring out the bar mat at the end of the night and then like you'll give people money to drink all the sludge. No, Kurt, when it, Kurt Kurt's glass. like, you, I'd pay you for that. Kurt, That's what Kurt said, would say. Thank you. What a steal. <laughs> in the high life. <laughs> he's, just, he's just suckling on soggy bar towels. Oh, dirty bar rags. Ew. That's his favorite drink. A dirty <laughs> bar rag. Ew. Oh my God. Um, I will say we did receive one additional brand new uh, server story, server submitted story that we'll read next week. But uh, guys, it's fun. It's from the olden days. Dredge up the memory. Send them to us. Otherwise, we've still got a few more to read from Nicole's uh epic, epic slew of stories. Um, and we love you. Submit anything guys we want to welcome to sidework podcast our dear friend h allen scott no oh, shut up hey h allen it's so nice <laughs> to see you i have to say when you guys started the podcast i was so excited because a i love both of you b you guys are karaoke queens and yeah. c you guys are so much fun like if i ever need like bar buddies i'm not a big bar person but if i ever need bar buddies you two would be the people i turn to well i love that I, it makes me so happy it's uh andrew and i we have levels and the levels mm -hmm. of our our bar fun obviously correlates with the number of drinks and as the night rolls on but there is always at some point in the evening climbing on booths being told to get down mm -hmm. like you know mm -hmm. it, it gets real fun dance breaks solo mm -hmm. you know right we, we also love we also love a bar with an activity attached right yes. Mm -hmm. yes i need that because i'm not a big drinker like I, I mean i don't not drink but i don't drink a lot and i i need that activity i need a goal in my and i'm so used to performing at bars that like yes i go i have a point to be there like yep. I, I i exist for a reason but if i totally. don't have that then I'm lost. Absolutely. Well, we, uh, well, okay. We just found out another a good 45 days added to our shelter in place. We found that out uh, <laughs> yesterday or two days yeah. ago, which I kind of saw coming and I'm sure it's going to continue. Yeah. Um, but maybe we'll be some good Zoom hangout buddies. We can all Ooh. wear wigs. All I have wear wigs and Zoom. So many wigs behind me. Yes. Let me paint a picture real quick for our listeners. Um, H. Allen Scott is you're basically kind of in front of your wardrobe with yeah. your wigs, your makeup, um, yeah. all your stuff. Your nails are painted a beautiful shade of black. I'm loving gel. Them. I got, it's, it's sparkly Ooh, and I, I ordered it because I couldn't go obviously to the nail salon, which I normally do because I hate putting on fake nails for drag. And mm -hmm. so I go to the nail salon and get them done, but I couldn't do that. So I had to take off my acrylic and then I bought a gel machine to do my own nails at home. So Wow, very nice. I yes. love it. First of all, I want to say I I wasn't sure if you were going to be in drag when I like 
entered you into this this meeting today. Not this early. But then I was like, right as I was doing it, I was like, fuck. I was like, I haven't worked out yet because my schedule's weird. So I'm just like, am who I am. But I'm like, God Uh damn it. Everybody in this meeting is going to look so much better than me. (laughs) (laughs) I will say I did put on a little tinted moisturizer, Mm -hmm. put on a little bronzer, put on a Mm -hmm. little lip gloss, overdrew the top lip a little bit to make it stand out. Like I did a few things. I did a few things to make myself look presentable in a normal daytime experience. Let's start. Um, You and I have known each other since New York City. Oh my God, that means- Quite a long time, really. Probably like 12, 13 years at this point, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing, yeah. Definitely. And you have a background as a server, server and bartender or just server? Um, Serve, well, kind of both. I mean, I didn't really ever do the traditional bar restaurant route because I was Mm -hmm. obsessed with movies, but fancy movie theaters that had bar and food service in them Mm -hmm. in Chicago and then Mm -hmm. a little bit in New York and St. Louis as well, where I'm from originally. Okay. And I would love to hear a little bit about that. Well, I got stories. (laughs) I got stories. Some of them painful. Some of them painful. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, m- fancy movie theaters are an echelon of whiteness that like most people don't necessarily achieve because they can't afford it. And neither could I, but I was able to be presentable enough to work at them. And and they are, they're like the independent theaters, you know what I mean? That always want to elevate the service. So like popcorn isn't good enough. So it has to come in like a tin. Right. You know what oh, I mean? It has yeah. to have all, also a bunch of different flavors and you can have yeah. like a, mm-hmm. a craft you- cocktail. And you can't shake them on yourself, no man. You have to ha- you have to do that for them. They have to come prepackaged, shaked, and presented in such a way that is like desirable to the rich motherfucker. Wait, it's so like you're deboning a fish table side. It's kind of like that. Yes, you even can't do it in like the one in St. Louis. You couldn't do it in the outside area where people could see you doing it. You, I had to go into the like like a crawl space, basically a hallway in the back behind the actual serving space, <laughs> just to be able to serve these right white pieces. I'm, they all were white, I'm sorry. And I hate <laughs> bringing it, but they all were like people that I would look at and be like, I hate you. See, this is the other thing. This is when you know you reach a level of like wealth that you can actually leave a complimentary tin behind because you don't need it. I I keep the tins. You keep, if it's something- I tell you, you what, same you, thing with like at the ball game. If I'm gonna purchase that nacho helmet, you bet I'm gonna go clean the cheese yes! out of that fucker in the bathroom yes! sink before I leave the game. Well, these people leave the nacho helmet. Now, what was your what was your work uniform? What was the attire for an elevated movie theater server? Well, it changed over the years, but I I did have a nickname called Vesti because I was and am obese. I I was called Vesti for a long time because I the uniform basically was a white shirt, a tie, and black pants. Like that's what you had to wear. And but I had to elevate it because I had to hide parts of my body, so I would wear vests, and people started to notice that, and so they called me Vesti. Now, the whole thing I will say about this is like all this shit's going on. You're preparing food, table side, in back. Like there's a whole, there's a movie playing while this is all going on. Yeah. Yes. There's people enjoying a movie. Now, the things that have changed since I was doing, because I have, I've moved on in my life and I've been able to make sources of income that are more creatively fulfilling. Um, Congrats. (laughs) Thank you. But, um, uh, uh, when I was doing it, I they didn't let you come into the movie theater. They've since allowed that now. In the fa- they've elevated the fancy movie theater to a whole new level. Thing that I do love and that I want to bring back to like the service dining sort of like entertainment experience of fancy movie theaters is the whole drag night movie moment. There's a great drag queen in New York called Hedda Lettuce, and she used to host these like movie showings at um, the theater on 23rd Street and like 8th Avenue, I think it was. I forget what it was called. And it would be, they'd show like Mommy Dearest or something and she would host it and you could you could have the fancy food and it was a whole like, interactive experience and it was like an elevated movie experience that was drag and fun and campy and I want to do that. Yes, yes, yes! I will say this. I do miss those days because like now like, I'm professional and like there's that camaraderie of like working with my coworkers and just sort of like living and existing in a really poor way with like these people who I loved hanging out with and I would live with and I would like some of them were my roommates and where they became my roommates and it the service industry and what we were doing it just there's a nostalgia for it that I have 
in my life. Yes. Well met, friend. Well, let's move on to our topic of the day, which I'm so excited about. And honestly, the topic came about because we discussed having you as a guest. Mm -hmm. And then out of nowhere, I was just, well, not out of nowhere. But I was like, oh, my God, we've never talked about drag brunch. Oh, let's talk about it. And let's talk about it. (laughs) Now, first of all, I I want our listeners to know that uh, you have been really, really doing some great drag looks. Um, Mm -hmm. Are you performing in L.A.? Yeah. So I um, so I had done it a while in Chicago very mm-hmm. briefly in Chicago, very badly. And I never then, knew this side of you in New York, by the way. You were- Oh, I didn't do hard. it in New York. I didn't do it in New York. You were being a comedian. Yeah, I was, I, was, I was getting work. I mean, I was getting work as a comedian and I was getting work on like TV stuff and like mm-hmm. when, I, when I moved out here writing. And, and so I leaned into it because like that's what you're supposed to do as a stand-up is like you just lean into following yep. wherever the work is, wherever the gig is, you take it. And then when I got sick, when I got cancer a couple of years ago, I'm fine now, but- and after chemo and that whole two year experience, I really started to realize that like, I was just doing things because it felt like everyone else was doing them and my peers were doing them. So I was supposed to do them. And I was wondering why I hated being in a writer's room and why I hated, I hated other writers. And I hated, <laughs> I hated most other, you know, comedians that I didn't grow up with in New York or like yeah. experience things with New York. And I was just hating a lot of people. And I was hating my life and what I was doing. And so I, made a conscious decision to step back from that and say, I'm going to find my own way of being a performer and, and follow what feels right. And these past couple of years, drag has definitely been that, you know what I mean? It's been a nice vehicle to both still do stand up and still be funny and be a comedian and express my point of view, but in a way that is elevated and people pay attention in a different yes. kind of way. And it's, 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 it's just different. And I love it. Yeah, I love it too. And I mean, listen, you you literally blew my mind when you showed up to my Halloween party as Fran Drescher. Oh my god! Yes. Yes. That was the first time I'd ever been in recent drag. Because I was like, who is that? Yeah, <laughs> I would have never put it together because I'd never seen you in drag, and I was like, you look amazing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. so extra. Also, oh, like, it. you're also how tall would you say you are, like? as Fran Drescher with the hair. Oh, and- when the, in those, in that outfit, I had to have been six, one, six, yeah. two. Yeah. Commanding. I was, yeah. I would say seven, seven feet tall. Was that I mean, I don't or- even know. I could have been, I don't even know how tall I am. I don't know any, I don't know. <laughs> I'm really bad at those things. I don't know which year, which Halloween party that one was. I can't remember. It was it, probably two years ago. It was point. two years ago. It was yeah. the, the yeah, when I yeah. when I put a pentagram on my uh, garage yes. wall. And nice. my, I, I designed, the, I yeah, that was fun. It was oh, amazing, yeah. That. And the, the, my neighbors who didn't really know me were on their roof cleaning the gutters and looked into the backyard, which they <laughs> usually can't see. <laughs> And there was a pentagram on my the side of my backyard garage wall, and uh, yeah, like a lot of Satan memorabilia and uh, skulls everywhere. Oh wow! And I was like, I loved it. I loved it. It was so fun. Who doesn't like Halloween? Exactly. But um, so so we're letting listeners know now. What do you do? You have um signature characters. What are their names? I mean, I mainly it's Sadie Pines. Is Sadie Pines? Okay, great. And I exist in the way that is Sadie Pines um and yeah she's heavily influenced by like Valerie Cherish aka Lisa Kudrow from the comeback and oh my god it's it's very much just sort of like you know she is fantastic and believes that even if she only has 200 followers she still matters in the world (laughs) that is and she actually feels famous from the 200 followers that's the legit thing like she has a presence because of that follow that her minimum Getting 27 views on YouTube is an accomplishment because of those 27 fans. There we go. And does Sadie yeah. Pines have an Instagram? Yeah, Sadie Pines. Perfect. Great. So yeah. hopefully with the advent of this uh, this uh, podcast episode coming out and yeah. me and Andrea, you might, yeah. you're about to have 29 followers. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, Sadie Pines. I will go find that. After yeah, we're done. It's, it's mean, a play we on should... the Golden Girls. Yeah, I exactly. I was just about to say that because you're yeah. an avid, avid Golden yeah. Girls fan. So I, I have the tattoo, yes. I have um, the other tattoo, I should say, other than Elliot, I have the other tattoo. Uh, and I have all the girls. I have the Mount Rushmore girls. He has one of the girls, thank okay. you. Okay. Um, and, and I, you know, yeah, I love the Golden Girls and it's so identified with who I am 
because of the gold, the girls podcast that I did out on Lanai, like it, uh, the, when I was coming up with a name, I was really struggling with what direction to go. But then Sadie Pines just kind of stuck. It's just Shady Pines. It just makes sense. It's perfect. And Shady Pines is yeah. where they they like always like Sophia went there, but did they always threaten to send her back there? Was that yeah? Thing? So Dorothy would always threaten to send Ma back to Shady Pines, and mm-hmm. she would just randomly and stoically say Shady Pines, Ma, and it was so always good. a running gag. <laughs> And so, and it would terrify Sophia because she didn't want to go back. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, yes, obviously no discussion about drag uh, will not involve the Golden Girls uh, no, to some, some degree or another. Should have known that we were going to go there. Yeah. So drag brunch, I thought would be a really great topic because I actually light up when I think about drag mm-hmm. brunch where we've done the topic of just brunch. I mean, we talked brunch yeah. with Elliot a year ago. Oh, he's and, big on brunch. And yeah, yeah. But for us servers, it is a nightmare shift. So it's the we, same with drag queens. Yeah. yeah. So we'll get into it though. But when I, when I think of drag brunch, I get more excited thinking like, yeah, this is more like, this is where I'm happier if I'm going to do it at all. I can't be around like moms and strollers and aggro Lululemon women, you know, <laughs> like fighting over, <laughs> you know, pour over coffee and, and an no. oat milk latte and whatever. I'm like, hell yeah. So we wanted to dive into the history of drag brunch today. And since Ooh. you said, I know you said that, you know, she don't come out uh, during the day. I know Sadie likes to come out at night. She's done it, but yes, and I, okay. I, I have stories about it, but I don't approve of it. Okay. Okay. It's yeah. totally fair. And this yeah. is definitely built into a lot of the feelings around drag brunch. Mm-hmm. But um, so we'll do a quick little timeline for listeners who aren't w- really well versed, maybe in the world of drag and the history. And well, I'm not going to pretend to even be a historian on the world of drag. I'm just going to try and give a little timeline in the in the sense of the drag brunch, if that's yeah. good for everybody. So basically at the turn of the century, I mean, at this point, like drag has been in culture for like all oh. time. It's all yes. versions of it. You know, men yeah. dressing as women, being funny, putting on shows. That's a very mm-hmm. normal thing we've seen throughout history. But of course, in America, turn of the century, one thing immediately we started to see what one thing that immediately was seen as illicit during this puritanical era was brunch because you think about that certain turn of the century roaring 20s sort of you know brunch and day drinking and debauchery Mm -hmm. in public you know not not exposed and contained in your home after hours that was seen as quite the um body lewd sort of thing to participate on just because drinking was so demonized um, and then eventually we went to prohibition so with with your you know swinging era there was a lot of drag show there was a lot of vaudeville type stuff so there was drag and brunch at the turn of the century that was really popular mm-hmm. and people enjoyed doing it and then boom it's well, like and you know how i mean just to add a little bit of queer history on top of that because it's there's a fascinating connection there so including drag brunch, even though it wasn't necessarily called drag brunch back then because- It was called it morning vaudeville. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but they would use, they would use cross-dressing sort of vaudeville performances, cabaret acts, if you will, to have gay spaces. So gay bars yes. were banned in Los Angeles and or gay, gay gatherings, et cetera. But if it was a cabaret show mm-hmm. with men dressed as women, then it was that, that sort of covered for the gay space it- that was allowed. It's uh, it, you could just be like, we're here for dinner. It's a supper club yeah, that has yeah. entertainment. Exactly that. So that yeah. that was definitely a workaround. Um, so of course, puritanical society puts the kibosh on drinking, prohibition. So all that stuff, you know, goes underground, and then boom, all of the drag or you know version of it, and also like with being gay, suddenly in the 1930s was seen as a criminal act. So it went from being like, hey, it's part of society, to now we're going to crack down on everything. No drinking, yeah. no fun. Everyone, you push further back mm-hmm. into that closet, go really, really underground, um, which is just crazy to me to really yeah. think of it as being criminalized. But, um, you know, but some things should be criminalized today, I'll tell you. I, I will tell crazy. you what. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You know, and because it's like we're sitting here like with our open mindedness in this day and age, you know, it's like, come on, 
pancakes, day drinking, and a man in a fabulous dress. Like, that Come sounds on, that's wonderful. Yes. But it went away, definitely, until back in the 50s and 60s, what you mentioned, um, these specific shows, cabaret, supper clubs. And the other thing that performers did to skirt the illegal, it, it was illegal to impersonate a female. That was the yeah. other thing. Yeah. You could be ticketed, fined, and jailed for impersonating a female. So the workaround at these shows were the performers at with their stage names would always be Mr. So-and-so. Yeah. So they mm-hmm. couldn't be. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I yeah. know, right? When you're like, that is so ridiculous to be like Mr. Sadie Pines. <laughs> I, mean, I love it. I love, But it still kind of exists today too. Some queens mm-hmm. do use very male names just to like sort of nod at that history. Totally. Um, so then in the 60s and 70s, attitudes began to loosen up again, obviously. Um, and then the first and probably one of the most well-known establishments was uh, Hamburger Mary's, mm-hmm. which opened in 1972. And it's like, it's like, come eat in, you know, in open air with open minds and, you know, we, we mm. accept everybody. And, and it was totally um, just a fantastic gay harbor, if you will. Mm-hmm. And now um, it's, now it's corporate drag, man. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, I was, I was reading on their website that they are franchised and individually family owned. So it's not like your olive garden version of corporate. Sure, but it's, sure. but it's uh, definitely like the, like, we're rolling out, we're rolling out this idea across the country and the city yeah. coming to you Come have breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and also an overcooked hamburger. Uh, (laughs) I know. I can't stand the food at Hamburger Mary's at all. But that said, I do love supporting a place like Hamburger Mary's. Me too. It does employ a lot of marginalized people who wouldn't otherwise get jobs. I like the nightlife aspect. Like I like the just the separate bar side of the Hamburger Mm -hmm. Mary's is very Mm -hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another rule I have, kind of like with the theaters, I'm just going for the drinks and maybe some bar popcorn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you I'm know what? For the food. I do love a stiletto check presenter. I'm not going to mm-hmm. fucking lie. Mm-hmm. But I will say, like, a lot of times, I remember years ago, I had a friend who, a, a straight girlfriend who was like, oh, Hamburger Mary's is just too extra. I can't handle the bartenders. I can't handle the waitstaff. It's just like, it's just too campy. It's too much. And I wanted to be like, you know these people, if they went to the Olive Garden to get a job, that, that queenie black kid is not going to get a job at the Olive Garden, at least not in any the smaller city. I mean, in LA. No. And so, like, that's why they're there. Support them. Absolutely. It's like, it also, like, it is what it is. Don't yes. go. Don't go. What did you think it was going to be? We don't want, we're not giving you a makeover. Stay home, honey. <laughs> you know, know what I mean? With that weird ass eyebrow you got going on. But you know. know that people go, or like someone gets like, you know, I, for lack of a better word, dragged there. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I, and they're just like, what? What's happening? Where am I? Like, why does it look like all these men look like ladies? I don't get it's like, it. It's yeah. like every episode or every time someone goes is the end of Tu Wong Fu, where everyone suddenly realizes that drag queens exist. They're men. <laughs> Wait a sec. They was men the whole time. And then Chris Penn just gets murdered every time. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie so much. So, all right. So we're talking about Hamburger Mary's becoming yeah. so basic that you're kind of, you know, we're saying it's almost borderline corporate just because there are like 12 yeah. locations and counting. Yeah, around yeah she, the, she a yeah. basic bitch at this point. She a basic yes. bitch in the world yeah. of, of drag dry hamburgers. Um... <laughs> I mean, I do, I do get pissed there. It's like if the word hamburgers in your, in your title do that the best. Yeah. Yes. God. Yeah. Focus on that. Focus. Yeah. Um. But so, so with a place like Hamburger Mary's, it was a pretty easy jump to then combine drag and brunch again. You know, it's a way to add more shifts, get more workers, kind of have the razzle dazzle. Like, hey, this is a bit of a thing and a scene. And um, yeah. it's so dinner that, theater. It's dinner theater, but for yeah. the daytime crowd. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, and so, like, and now you fast forward to today, and it's it's like it is really mainstream. I mean, it is almost big, for basic bitches. Like big hotels, you know, like big spaces, like the Ace, etc. They they want it now. It's like no longer campy. They just 
it's a thing places want. But now you have like, you know, what's bigger than Hamburger Mary's is obviously RuPaul's Drag Race, right? And so you have RuPaul out there mainstream on TV every week and people are huge fans of. And then on what season, what's I like, they're high up there. Yeah. Yeah. It's 12 seasons of drag queens. That's a lot of drag queens who live all over the country Mm -hmm. who put their name into these drag brunches and are probably stars and driving this franchise, you know, this, this, this machine rather. Mm-hmm. Well, right. And that, that show really popularized it just for the, the wider public. Cause you know, and I think there, there, there's like, you know, kind of like, um, prickly feelings, especially sometimes when spaces are like, Hey, this is our LBGTQ hang, like mm-hmm. get out, you know, but I think that the daytime version of it is exactly because yeah. there's nothing threatening about brunch. Right. Yeah. No, no. And we all love bread. We do. And also it's, it's for the novice, the newbie, you're going to get like the gaggle of straight women having a little yeah. bachelorette party and you see whole families go like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's people who are like, yes, we want some mimosas and some fierce Shante. You stay. We love it. We're home by yeah. 2 p.m. Um, and then the, you, you know, you can have your regular uh, gay antics at mm-hmm. nighttime where they should be and where they're the most fun and best. Yes. And th- that's not for everybody. That's not when you're getting like the um, the boyfriend girlfriend mm-hmm. coming to see a show per se. I mean, they're still welcome. There are still great shows. I just think you get people know more of what they're getting into when they're like, it's brunch. And so does the brunch drag worker. They know, they know what they're going to get. Well, it's, I mean, you're getting that straight money. Like, I mean, the the straight money is not coming out at night. They're not over tipping at nighttime shows because they're not coming to nighttime shows. So they're coming to the daytime brunch show. And it's sort of like a, it's sort of like a catch 22 because like, I feel like most I mean, some queens love it. I have a friend, a good friend, who he gets up at like 6 a.m. and he loves it. He loves getting ready before all that. Like, he loves the process of it. I can't stand the idea of doing anything before noon. Mm -hmm. I don't understand anyone who, like, unless you're eating something or drinking something and not not leaving your home, why would you do it? I don't get it. It doesn't, it's foreign to me. I've done it. I know, I know. I've done the whole like get ready at 9 a.m. and we've gotten up at like 7 a.m. for like a like a like a kids reading thing. Never do that again. Um, and like you know, let like, kids read to themselves for Christ. You no, know, I mean that's the one thing that Corona has made better for us is that we can just read from the comfort of our own homes. <laughs> um, but I like the whole idea of doing that. I don't want to be seen in the daytime. I am white. I look really bad in the daytime. Yeah, 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 and you know, and I can see too, and you know, based on where you live, and it's like the cover of night has always seemed safer for drag. Mm-hmm. Um, daytime, it can yeah. be a little startling, and you there might right. be fears of of your own personal safety, especially yes. if you're like doing your look, your makeup, like assuming there'll be soft gels on you, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, well, that is that is one of the complaints. One of the complaints yes. in the drag community is like the lights are a bit too bright, and you can yeah. see you know how i've contoured the fuck out of this face yes because there's is. a lot of skin i mean even now i got some contour on but like it is like it's it's one of those things where like you gotta you gotta darken this up i mean i am dark on my neck yes <laughs> if you see me in the daytime in drag that is like like my neck is like like a like a like a whole other race <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the food and atmosphere at drag brunch um okay let's be real uh the food is not the star no no it 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 just isn't i feel like it's everything involved in a brunch slash performance thing it mixes everything that i hate about restaurant dining like i remember when i was a kid i went i was a foreign exchange student i went to germany um for a year and when the waiters would come up they would come up at the beginning of the meal they would take your order they would deliver and they wouldn't bother you Mm-hmm. Same in Italy. Same, just yeah. Europe across the board, pretty much. You just you just sit there. You enjoy your meal. If you want them, you gotta flag them down mm-hmm. because they want to leave you alone so you have an enjoying experience. Drag brunch is the worst of both. Not only are you bothered left and right, but the food's bad. So it's like <laughs> it's it's like not all. You can't have any peace. There's no peace. There's, there's no peace. There's, there's a lot happening. I mean, because and let's be honest, like. Once again, I'm going to go for the booze, the glitter, the bouffants. I want racy jokes and singing. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to have to, you know, I mean, I'm great with wait staff. 
F no matter what, because when you're 15 plus years in the shit, like it's just, it's just a reflex at this point. I'm, yeah. I'm like, oh my God, yes, I acknowledge you. You are wonderful. Hi, well, much eye contact, you and know? And for me, it's just like, it's, it's drag brunch is like kind of really overwhelming to my, to the, to me, to visuals, because there's so much shit on the table at brunch to begin with. Mm-hmm. Like, there's fucking regular condiments. There's brunch condiments. You probably have at least four different drinks. You're gonna have a Bloody Mary and a mimosa and a coffee mm-hmm. and a water. N- not to mention that there's glitz and glam in your fucking face the whole time. It is yeah. overwhelming for the well, senses. And sometimes they give you that bread basket with lots of different varieties of bread. So you have like the wheat bread, the, the blueberry muffin, little mini ones. You got all these different options. And it's like, that alone is too overwhelming for me. <laughs> It's too much in the morning. Um, <laughs> did did uh were you still in New York when three dollar bill in Bushwick was open? Yeah, yes. I, yeah, I was for a little bit. Okay, so that so this is like I'll set the scene at one of these places. Um, you know, I think immediately if you're gonna go do Brett, um, immediately if you're gonna go do drag brunch, kind of like throw out the window the notion that it's gonna be this like sunny airy eggy affair you know like if you're like i would look for like a nice pretty spot to take my mom for mother's day this isn't you know and if you've got a cool mom great take her to drag brunch but it's pitch black okay it's like dinner theater like big velvet darkened room and you're gonna be you're gonna be eating french toast in the dark honey Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. it's just the spotlight is on um the queen that's how it's supposed to be done yes of course um, and you know, like we said, some Queens nighttime only for them, that's fine. So it does seem like at least within the space, once you get to your performance space, you're a little more predict at this space particularly, but I've seen other ones around the city where it is just like open airy and you are a queen mm-hmm. just going up and down the middle of the aisle and it's really bright. And I'm not sure I would do that version. I almost want to no. be in the theater in the daytime. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, ha- I have enough trouble walking to my table at Denny's. That lighting <laughs> is like just as bad. So like I doing that as a performer, I mean, I'm at an age where I'm just going to say no to that one. Let on a yeah, Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, well, I got some of my, I got some of the info, you know, about drag brunch. Um, like we always go to Eater. Eater always has really great histories mm-hmm. of, you know, just different food-based culture and phenomenon. Frillist also did, uh, you know, some really great coverage of this too. And so in the article I looked at, um, they interviewed uh, a queen named Ritzy Bits. Uh, mm. She performed um, at a brunch in Hell's Kitchen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in, in her, you know, she's like, it's the best combination for both attendees. You know, your brunch goers get a meal and entertainment. And for her, she says drag queens can maintain regular working hours while performing for a more receptive audience, right? Yeah. Which is mm-hmm. nice. And she's it's like, it's more intimate. <laughs> but my favorite part, she's like, there's a danger element because servers are walking around with food and I'm tumbling around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she said, mm-hmm. but she can engage with the audience more directly. So that would be one of the benefits. You there's know. nothing well, and- more that I'd rather fucking see is to see a tray full of cocktails get knocked over by a drag queen. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Just a roundhouse kick. I'd be like, I was meant to be here at this moment. (laughs) Can you imagine the slow motion video of every, like, literally hundreds of people filming this? Like, 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 she she dead dropped right onto my fucking whole tray of French toast. By the way, I started making some, um, creating some really good drag brunch performer names oh uh, please oh okay okay so here's one ms mosa (laughs) that's very good thank you that's really good i think i would be i think this is the name i would take for myself french press (laughs) oh that's a good one frenchy 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 press too because frenchy's more like like a you know i've always thought ella florentine would be good Oh, that's a good one. I think just yeah. something simple, like Bloody Mary is a pretty simple one, right? Yes, that's uh, a great. That's, I feel like there is a queen. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I went. I went crazy. Sausage patty. That's very good. <laughs> that's very good. Peg, hold on, hold on. Peg Benedict. Can I get a what? Peg Benedict. That's good. 
I had a lot of them. Hovocado toast. Okay. <laughs> that's that's long. You gotta you it have is. to really commit if that's what you're going for. I know. That's um, impressive though. I also I have I mean crepe Suzette kind of that's like in, unto itself, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. the one I'm most proud of would be holidays. Yeah, like holidays. Oh. So like holidays. That's smart. Because mm-hmm. that's also like you could double that name up for both mm-hmm. brunch and for holiday shows. Totally. Yeah. Well, I have one last point on drag brunch, um, which I think is really cool that basically, and this is just for drag in general, that that drag is a, po- a very political statement, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know you can probably speak to it too, just, just the um, visibility it lends to the LGBTQ community um, that, you know, you have a lot of advocates and advocacy going on to, you know, do what's right. Um, in terms of equal rights and drawing attention to it by putting on like a fantastic, loud, funny, body, eye-catching show. There's so much mm-hmm. power in seeing a drag queen. You can't mm-hmm. look away. They're phenomenal creatures to look at. Yeah. And that's what I love about performing in mm-hmm. drag is that when I perform as me, just as H. Allen, you can look away because I look like other people. I look like the last guy who was on stage in a denim jacket. Like I look... It's even though I'm funny, you can still look away. Whereas in drag, I have your attention. And if I have something to say on top of that, that's the perfect combination. Um, And might I add, Sadie Pines is like one of the most unique, beautiful drag queens I've ever seen. Thank you. I just think your look is so specific. It makes me so happy. Well, it makes me, we were talking about this last night with another queen um, that about like hairstyles and like, you know, I feel like we tried on a blonde, I don't do blonde, I never do blonde. And we try, and a lot of queens do blonde. And cause blonde is the generic standard of sort of beauty in this country. And I put on a blonde wig the other day and I looked at myself and I had a visceral reaction of, that is not me. Mm-hmm. I can't be that, I don't want to be that. That is too basic, that is too, I want the nuance of being a redhead and maybe a little different than the other girls and maybe, and not that beautiful, standard quote-unquote that people say you're supposed to be and I think that makes a statement it allows you to say beauty comes in different shapes sizes and colors and enjoy it and be here for it and celebrate it yeah I agree with that yeah there was um there was a group uh in the uh, 80s I think I might have the era wrong but um they were the sisters of perpetual indulgence they started in San Francisco in the uh, late 60s early 70s okay yeah um, but basically, they their whole drag look, um, and they were a nonprofit, and they were okay. Mm-hmm. So they were a drag clad charity that was a nonprofit where their whole look was parodying um, the attire of Catholic nuns. Yeah. But they were founded to raise money and awareness for LGBT causes, and especially to force activism into the communities surrounding HIV and AIDS. Yeah, they are wow. such. They do such amazing work in in San Francisco. Every year, there's this. Um, this sort of, oh, there's lots of festivals, but there's Dory Alley and there's Folsom, which is sort of like a BDSM sort of fundraiser thing for HIV AIDS. And they were a huge, huge, huge part of it in the early days to say, well, this community is dying around us. So they would show up at these events, these HIV AIDS events, and even protests too. And they mm-hmm. would be a very visual presence of queer acceptance within a very sort of like troubling time where they weren't being accepted. And it's, they hold a really, really important place in queer history, modern queer history. Um, And 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 they probably also also perform nonsense in its entirety. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think what's really cool and important to bring, bring, to bring this all back around as much as we're laughing that, you know, like basic bitches can now, you know, go to a hamburger Mary's for a drag brunch and whatever. And get woke. Um, Get fucking mm-hmm. woke. You, you, Wake get, up, you still walk, get woke up at brun- drag brunch, you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. You still walk away with your mind more open, which is fantastic. It, you know, especially as like a straight cis white lady like me or males or whatever. But um, I think what's amazing is in the 1980s, especially when brunch and drag being combined was really starting to happen um, in New Orleans, uh, especially where like that's so, you know, normal with Mardi Gras mm-hmm. and all of all of that but um in the 80s the drag queens were actually throwing their own drag brunches to basically mm-hmm. take care of their friends who were dying you wow. know before yeah. the rest of the world stepped up to take care of people yeah. dying of AIDS 
Wow. Well, and because there wasn't, there weren't many services, especially in New Orleans in the South, there just weren't many services for people who were, and, and New Orleans has an interesting history with queers because there was the gay bar fire that like tons of gay dudes died in and, and no, nobody did anything. Nobody talked about it for years. Mm-hmm. They just sort of hid it. It's, it was a, it's a scary history there for gay history. Yeah. 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 But, um, I don't know. I feel like, Oh God. And I've, I've also been enjoying, I have to say I'm watching more, uh, straight men who I'm learning and finding they have a way more adventurous, uh, <laughs> unpredictable side where I'm watching them like, yeah, turn me into a drag drag queen. Well, I want to you know, feel Well, the now power. there's the, we're here on HBO, mm-hmm. yep, which mm-hmm. is like the it's best. It's a great show. It's I was a really like, good show. I didn't know how bad I needed this until I yeah. I know I'm crying at every episode and I often hate makeover shows, but that one is different somehow. And I will say to the straight male part of it, there is an interest I have found from my straight male friends, which, you know, as a comic, there's a shit ton of them. Um, and they are more interested in my drag often than my gay male friends, which is there's this dynamic of gender that I think straight men don't necessarily, they're fascinated by, and they've been too afraid to communicate about for years. And by having like a man in a dress, it allows them to somehow communicate that sort of complicated understanding of gender that they have. It's really interesting. I'm definitely going to watch We're Here. I Oh, it's so good. To, you have to. I'm so excited about it's that. great. Yeah. Okay. I'm, uh, all of our listeners also go watch mm-hmm. We're Here. Um, definitely check out Sadie Pines on Instagram, which is H. Allen Scott's. Fantastic. We just ordered a massive green screen, so you'll see that. I was, going to, yeah. I was going to ask, are there drag shows happening on Zoom or like on Instagram? Oh, there are. I've done a few. Yes, there's a bunch. There's a whole bunch. Um, I've done a few, and now with this green screen coming, we're going to up our game for content. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be great. Where I will love Sa- it. Sa- where will Sadie go? Sadie can go anywhere with that green screen. I mean, Sadie truly can do anything, and it's perfect for Sadie because she doesn't like leaving her home. So it's like, it's actually, it's actually perfect. <laughs> this is your quarantine dream. Oh, this is the best thing that's ever happened to yeah, me. Yeah, you can travel the whole world today on Shut In Sadie. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. I like that. You can have oh. it. <laughs> that one was free. I still get to be sausage patty. You are definitely sausage patty. We haven't done this in a minute, but like, typically we ask our uh, our guests to leave us with a tip, like any sort of tip. Oh, like, well, I mean. My only go-to always life tip for every moment in life is to stay golden, always, in every situation. Just embrace that golden essence inside of you. Stay golden. Stay golden. Stay golden. golden. Awesome talking to you. Such a fun fun chat. Oh, I love you both so much. Uh, I really do. I've missed you guys so much. We don't hang out enough, but I I do mean this. You two are so genuine and fun and real and you're such a good friendship and partnership and it, it conveys in the work that you put out but also in just knowing you as people so like i really you guys are doing thank stuff. you yeah. Fuck, man. i wish that there are bottomless mimosas in front of us so hard right now I know. Well, well guys thanks so much again for listening uh what a great episode brooke <laughs> Well, very you know, fun very on very yeah. uh on the fly turned out to be one of my favorite things i've researched and who knows, maybe sometime soon uh, you can prepare you can prepare breakfast at home and watch drag queens on Instagram Live or Zoom and have your own drag queen brunch. I think this is a good idea. Um, Guys, well, limit. I'm exploring a lot of new personalities anyways. So. <laughs> well, you know what we say at the end of every episode. Godspeed. And good health. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.